Welcome to Dragon Talk! Yay, Dragon Talk! Woo! 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 Great Tito, man! Oh, you got a fan out there. <laughs> you got a fan. You like Greg Tito out there? Yeah, I do. Aww. Oh, we love you, man. Give him your shirt. I'm taking off my shirt. <laughs> Here, have this drumstick. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Plunk. Oh, you hit him in the head. Oh, darn it. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Here's my card. I'll give you a D&D bag. <laughs> okay. I make up for it. We'll give you a mug. I love you, buddy. Yeah. Uh, so I'm Greg Tito, if you didn't figure that out. That's Shelly. But, you, I mean, your voice basically just sounds very much like me when you do that. Right? Yeah. I know. It's hard. It seems like, whoa, just Greg. There's two Greg Titos on this. <laughs> it's like I don't even know who's who anymore. You can't tell the difference. Can you? We've been hanging out together too long. Now we just sound like each other. Well, no. I just really want to play some music. <laughs> oh, music. <laughs> we should do our old person's version. <laughs> that was so last episode. <laughs> I don't think he even made it into the last episode. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's a bummer. Maybe we'll have that as outtakes. Um, but we are excited for this episode because we are speaking to uh, two amazing yeah. artists. Um, Nina Heath and Selena Heinen. Yeah. They are uh, from Dwarven Forge. They make a lot of the scenery that you see on many uh, of a D&D table, including at D&D Live 2019. Yes. The Descent. That was um, so cool. Yes. It was very, very interesting. And these folks work on it. And I can't wait to pick their brains about what it's like uh, you know, living in Brooklyn because I always like to talk to people about yeah. my, old, my old haunt. But also uh, uh, creating amazing stuff uh, and uh, making the high level, you know, D and D play out there. I mean, I know I've been I've been dungeon mastering uh, with some folks in uh, with Seattle, and they're all very jealous of other people's setups. And they're like, well, "How come you don't do that?" And I'm like, "Oh, because it takes a lot of time." And why effort. don't you? I, well, now I will. Now I feel compelled to. I think um, you should. And it is all because the work that they do looks amazing. So we're it gonna, really does. We're going to get into these it. two have a lot of fans. They a lot do. of people really love and appreciate the work that they do and with our community. That's so true. I'm excited to talk to them. Me too. Me too. Yeah, there it's was like a big outpouring of people like, oh, I'm so glad you're talking to them. Right? Yeah. I, I did see that yeah. too. It was like a lot of like, yeah. Yeah. Um, people are also saying that about Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus. Yeah. yeah. September 17th, the adventure has everything you need in it to play both in Baldur's Gate. There's a Gazetteer chapter about that. There's also a Gazetteer chapter about Avernus. And it's also got the storyline campaign uh, that takes you from level 1 to level 13. That's a lot. That's a lot of levels. Uh, also, uh, you get to go to hell, which is... Did it stop at 13 on purpose? Yeah. 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 It was basically like I could have put it at 12 or 14, but I'm like, no, it goes to level 13. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. it's... Lucky It seemed right. Does seem right. Yeah, um, I, I, I think everything that's going to be in that uh, book is going to be uh, played for years to come. So I'm I'm very excited about getting it out there uh, for folks. Well, I feel like it would take me years to years. get to level thirteen. Years, but we'll see. Because I'm slow. <laughs> You're like I got slow playing on the brain. Don't do a lot. Don't level up quickly. <laughs> You're like I don't kill a lot of monsters. I like to talk to them. Yeah, uh, and see what their heads at. Yeah. Why are you a monster? You should get some uh, some experience rewards for that, though, too. Yes, I should. Yes. Yeah, we'll talk to your dungeon master. I, that's September 17th. There's a lot of ancillary products involved with that, including uh, a Dyson Miscellany set that is potentially the best uh, dice oh, yeah. set slash combo story 
you know, uh, uh, product out there. Baldur's Gate, Descent into Avernus. No, wait, no. Battle for Baldur's Gate. That's what I always get wrong. Is uh, the Dungeon Mayhem expansion also coming out on September 17th. And we also announced Tyranny of Dragons at San Diego Comic-Con. This is a re-release of the adventures uh, that came out in the 5th edition uh, uh, release in 2014. It was two books at the time. It was called uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen and Rise of Tiamat. We have combined them into one tome with a new alternate cover designed by Hydro 74. Amazing. The five heads of Tiamat on the front of it. It looks fantabulous. Oh, yes. I feel like if I ever really wanted a tattoo, which I don't, but if I did, I might want that. Like on your back? Yes. Wow. Oh, like Ben Affleck. Like Does Ben Affleck? like a giant dragon on his back or Does something? Does he? Yeah. I don't know about that. I don't want it that big. Like, I think she'd be cool, like, around my arm or That'd something. That'd be really, really cool. Yeah. I want to get Satine to do it. You see, on, she recently just did a tattoo on somebody. I'm like, that I want. She did? Yeah. Oh, my God. How cool is that? She's amazing. I'm I really do. hoping that she does her makeup tutorials, <laughs> her videos. To look like Tiamat? To just look like her. Yeah, that's right. That's true. <laughs> um, I would so be very much a fan. Tyranny of Dragons comes out October 22nd. Uh, it is available only through game stores. Okay. Yeah, so check it out there. Um, it is, as I said, an alternate cover, um, and there's some... Um, uh, combining of the two books together to, into one as well as, you know, um, so like the appendices and stuff aren't doubled up. The table contents aren't doubled up, obviously. It's, it's all just not kind of literally together. just a mashing right? of the two books. We took some comments from the first couple of the encounters. Uh, we've learned a lot over the last five years of feedback from players and fans, so that um, uh, first kind of encounters are, are smoothed uh, a little bit. As well, there is an art gallery of, of stuff that people have never, ever seen oh, before. No way. Of concept art about uh, oh, I love dragons that. and Tiamat um, in the back. And so there is, that is awesome. stuff in there that you can get nowhere else. I love seeing concept art. I know, me too. Right? To see like where the ideas yes. came from. Yes. Yeah. It's really cool. So uh, you'll get that in that book as well as uh, there's one more thing. Oh, yeah, there's stuff that was only available online. Uh, So there was some magic items and some other, um, you know, D&D mechanical things that were not in the books themselves but were released kind of in tandem only online. But that will be in this book as well. Oh, my God. Yeah. We really right. beefed them up. Check it out. Just Revisit. that cover alone, though. Oh, my God. It I know. might be one of my favorites. That's what I want to get. definitely my top three. That's a poster, maybe. I know. And then put it on the Can ceiling. Can you make it like those those velvet posters? <gasps> yeah. Those blacklight posters. Oh, we should totally do that. Like, well, which one? Blacklight or velvet? Oh, wait, yeah. Both. But weren't the blacklight ones kind of velvet, too? Were not always. Not? not always. I always picture them being one and the same. I want velvet. We should talk velvet. to different uh, material for all Death of Saves and see heads. if they want to make uh, uh, a ultraviolet poster of that. I think it'd be cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, at least a t-shirt. At least I need a that t-shirt. on a t-shirt. I know, right? Cool stuff all or around. Or a fake tattoo. We talked all about this and more stuff at San Diego Comic-Con a couple weeks ago. Uh Check out all of the video from that. It's up on our YouTube page. Uh, Pelham Green and Nathan Stewart here from the D&D office. We're down there rocking and rolling all about it. Uh, Of course, we've also kicked off our Extra Life promotion. Yay! It's our seventh year. We've raised, uh, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for Extra Life. Yep. In the past seven years, and we're hoping to ramp up and do even more for the kids. That is where we play tabletop games, uh, ask for donations, and is all in support of the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals. 
Uh, more specifically, we'll go towards Seattle Children's Hospital uh, that my kid's been at. My kid's been at. Your kid's been at. Yeah. And they're is, great. They are fantastic. They really make it warm and welcoming for children who are going through a hard time or yep. a bad injury or sickness or things like that, and it's fantastic. Uh, so we love to support that. We've been doing it for years, as I said, and we're just now ramping up our um, uh, uh, initiative to, to drive more money. I don't know if you know this, but I put up my Extra Life page Oh, oh you did already? Today, oh. Um, and some of the things are um, Dragon Talk what? interviews. Maybe if, I should could work with you on some of those. Yeah, I put some high-ticket items on there. So, uh, Like they could be part of a studio audience? They could be part of a studio audience. Well, I didn't put that on there. You should put that on yours. Uh, I did like... I'll, that we'll, would be hysterical. We'll interview them on a live stream if they donate a whole bunch. Uh, so they're pretty, like I said, they're high ticket items, but because it's it's kind of a we I'm gonna can't bring, have that I'm going to bring a studio audience member. Nice, yeah. I like it. Yeah, as long as they clap. Well, yeah. All right. I mean, you can't sit in Dragon Talk's studio audience and not clap at every single they're thing we say. Very said. enthusiastic. That well, would be so fun. That'd be really fun. Okay, let's make it happen. All right. All right. Um, so if you're interested in raising money for Extra Life, uh, join the Dungeons & Dragons team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, raise some money. It all goes up and helps the kids. And uh, we're going to be talking about it a lot over the next uh, couple of months. I'm sure Greg Marks has already raised like, oh, he's already $5 million. broken all the rules. He's done it. All, not rules. Broken all the records. Yes. There are no <laughs> rules, the rules when we're raising money for sick children. It's for the kids. Yep. All right. So check it out. We'll be, talk- again, talking about it more and more. We'll probably have Bart on to talk more about it uh, yep. in, in the months to come. But uh, it is now. It is kicking off. There are T-shirts that you can buy on customink.com right now. Um, let me get the actual thing so I can say it online for reals. Um, but it is a thing. Uh, so extralife.org slash team slash D&D. Uh, but if you're looking for the uh, – oh, I just want to look at what the link is. Uh, it's customink.com slash fundraising slash Wizards of the Coast Extra Life. You can buy t-shirts designed by Emmy Tangi. They're amazing. I love them. One design is up there now. There's going to be more designs uh, added up there. Uh, but people are always asking about how to get more official D&D t-shirts. This is a great way to do it. And all the proceeds go to help the kids. That's what's important. Sweet. Yes. All right. Um, you know what else is important? What? This segment that we're going to listen to right now. All right. Bing bongs. Welcome to another random character generator. I liked that. Yeah. I like to sing. There's some foley in there. You got to sing some yeah. sometimes. Random character generator. Oh, wait, if we could only harmonize, <laughs> we'd be perfect here. Uh, I'm Greg Tito, and this is Kate Welch. I'm singing with me. Yes. Hello. Making the things happen. Yep. We're recording this very early in the morning, so that's why we need to drink as much caffeine as possible <laughs> to get all of the random characters generated. Uh, this is the segment where we press the create random character button on D&D Beyond. A third-level character pops up. Mm-hmm. It is not optimized, not for anything. Got lots of different uh, things going on, and we make a character out of that, uh, killing its backstory from the mechanics. So we will be doing that right now as we press our button Yay. and make random things happen. All right. Ooh, Thank I already you. like the name. All in nimble fingers. 
What? Seriously? If that's not <gasps> a, it's a halfling. Oh, definitely. A ghostwise halfling? Ghost barbarian. Ghostwise barbarian halfling. Oh, no. Look at that strength. Oh, my gosh. That is very, very unfortunate. So we have Holy a nine crap. strength with a negative one modifier. Wow. Uh, very dexterous. Wow. Um, you know, average constitution and intelligence. Wisdom is very high. <laughs> For a barbarian, which seems strange. Wow, yeah. Okay, so Ullin Nimbrif- Nimblefingers, and he's well-named um, because sure. he's <laughs> he does have that plus two dex. Um, and he's proficient in strength, which is good because his natural strength is minus one. So his his proficiency in his strength saving throws at least gets him to a plus one. That's true. Good so, for him, buddy. Uh, I guess, you know, those those strength saving throws when you're trying to escape a grapple, maybe that's the only thing he can really do. It's like his one move <laughs> is getting out of a you grapple. You get it out of there. Olin, is Olin a uh, – I, I, I totally blew out the, uh, yeah, the microphone. Destroy there. those levels. Is Olin a uh, – what, 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 what gender would you put Olin as? Olin, Olin sounds to me like a boy. Yeah? That's, that sounds like a male name to me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, Olin is trained in animal handling, which makes a lot of sense, I okay. guess. Okay, sure. Uh, yeah. Athletics, yep. so to make up for the lack of strength. Yeah, you got it. He, he's working hard. He's very intimidating as a ghost-wise halfling barbarian. Yep. He's, uh, got, he's got proficiency in that. And, and survival. survival. Okay. All right. So, this sounds like he sounds like he spends a lot of time out in the wilderness with with. Animals, um, the survival and the animal handling makes me think that this is a, a barbarian who is very in touch with his um, his animal soul, right? Whatever that is. So um, I think there is there is a barbarian uh, path that has to do with the aspect of the beast. So that doesn't come until sixth level, but maybe this is something that he's he is aiming for. Mm-hmm. It's like he he has attuned very closely with. An animal in his um, in his vicinity. This ghostwise halfling. I like that. And ghostwise halflings, if I'm not mistaken, are the the, the kind of the stealthy ones. Yeah. Right? So ghostwise halflings trace their ancestry back to a war among halfling tribes mm. that sent their ancestors into flight from Lurian. Okay. Uh, where is, is this? They are. Yeah. They're they're clannish and mistrustful. They're pretty uh-huh. rare. Their wisdom score increases by one. Oh, and they can speak telepathically to any creature within 30 feet of you. Wow, that's pretty cool. So this is a, a telepathic little barbarian and can speak with to any creature as long as they speak the same language. So perhaps there, this is, um, what languages do we speak here? All right, going back to Olin. Olin has telepathy common, as common, a language. Yep, that's, it. that's his ghost-wise thing, common halfling and telepathy. So he can't talk to animals as such. Mm. But I imagine that Olin does use his telepathy to try to talk to animals a lot. And they don't share a language. But maybe this is why he's spending so much time in the forest is because he's trying his darndest to learn how to speak animal languages. Oh, all right. right. I like that. He's not strong, but he's wise and um, ghost he's, wise. He's, he's, <laughs> and he's ghost wise as hell. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think maybe that's that's where he's he's trying to find his natural strength with the creatures of the wild. And he's got this folk hero background. Yeah. Uh, so that means amongst his people, he must be well known and uh, uh, you know go, traveling around solving problems. Yeah. That type of thing. What if he's like the Caesar Milan of Ooh. of halflings? Like his his whole deal is that if you've if you've got like a misbehaving pet or <laughs> member of your livestock family, 
you call in Olin Nimble Fingers. Olin Ningle Fingers. <laughs> Ningle Fingers. Ningle. And, and he will, <laughs> and uh, that's and that has that has uh, risen him to folk hero status. Mm-hmm. Like there, the, he's he's a local legend because you know you've got a misbehaving, got a misbehaving dog. This guy's going to come in and soothe that creature. Okay. All right. Uh, but now looking more at these barbarian features that he's got, uh, mm-hmm. Primal Path. Oh, he's doing Primal Path. Okay. Yeah. So Primal Path, path he has chosen zealot. Path of the Berserker. Which it looks is, like it says Path of the Zealot. Though. Oh, he's Path of the Zealot. Oh, yeah. Shoot. Okay. Path of the Zealot, I think, might be a Xanathar's it, thing. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't know enough about Xanathar. Oh, yeah. So Divine Fury and Warrior of the Gods are both um, Path of the Zealot things. So while you're raging, the first creature that you hit. Um, each of you your close, turns. Close that for I'm me. trying to. I don't know how to. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Just click there. Yeah, um, click the arrows. Click right over there. Um, so while you're raging, the first creature you hit on each of your turns with a weapon attack takes 1d6 plus 1 necrotic or radiant damage. And looks you like got that chose... divine furry. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, is Olin Nimmenfigles a divine furry? Uh, divine it's furry. a divine furry. This, this is... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this, this goes with what we've already described, right? Like, yeah. But he has chosen necrotic damage, so he's a necrotic furry. Right, he's a necrotic. He's very evil, yeah. purpley, uh, you know, damage dealing. And a warrior of the gods, if a spell to restore your life is casting, the caster doesn't need material components for that spell. I don't, like, I like that, I guess, as a, as a thing. Um, but at least in my games, we don't really worry too much about material components. Yeah, if you've got a, a spell focus or, or, or yeah, arcane, focus, arcane focus, most or, of the time that deals with that. Yeah, and... and um, Unless it's like for resurrection, you need like a diamond that's worth at least 500 gold pieces or whatever it is. Um, that is the kind of thing where, yeah, you need that in order to cast your spell. But for most other things, the material components don't really figure in. Yeah, it's stuff. more thematic. It more yeah. feels like, okay, you, you, these these are blessed by the gods. or, or, yeah. or uh, Olin Nimble Fingers is blessed by the gods yes. enough that he does not need uh, all that. I wonder why, why do you think he went with necrotic damage? Yeah, that's an interesting because all of his, all of what we've been talking about is very much about saving and, yeah. and bringing back to life. Yeah, uh, and and Ghostwise itself feels at least in touch with the. Is it Ghostwise just that they're silent and, and stealthy, or is it well, Ghostwise and that they have a, a, a connection to the undead? Though neither the Ghostwise, uh, I thought it was a stealthy thing, um, but it's actually I was thinking about Lightfoot, I believe. The Ghostwise halflings are just these like strange. Rare halflings. They uh, are. They select a natural landmark as the center of their territory, and they carry a piece of that landmark with them at all times. Ooh, cool. Um, and clan warriors known as night gliders bond with <gasps> giant owls oh and gosh. ride them. So maybe this is what our Olin Nimblefingers is aiming for: is that he he is attempting to bond with a giant owl somewhere? But they're ghostwise because they can communicate telepathically. I think that's the that's okay. the mechanical thing. That makes sense. I love the uh, the idea of, of uh, riding an owl. A giant owl, right? Yes. Okay. So this is definitely what he's about, and maybe, maybe there's some there, maybe there's some connection between his his affinity for necrotic damage and his love of these like night creatures. Necrosis. Let's see. Necrotic damage is like decay, right? Yeah. Um, and owls are. They're dumb, I know that, uh, but they're they're not they're not necessarily necrotic, and they don't have a lot to do with death. Right. So this is this is makes me think that Ullen has a little bit of a dark side. That the yeah. the folk the folks in his village that hail him as this hero who can soothsay the animals and the, the creatures of the forest and the and the farms, 
they don't know this about him. He's got he's he's maybe dabbled in something. He has he's got he's in touch with some dark deity, right. um, who uh, who he's he has started to gain favor from, which is this di- this divine necrotic furry that he has. <laughs> what if he's got you know because alignment is not one of the things that ends up being um, determined, you know, by, determined by the randomizer. So what if he. Uh, even though the ghostwise halflings are very clannish and separate on them own, on their own, he became an outcast from that clan oh. because of his affinity to a dark deity. Yeah. Um, so he's actually more of an outsider of his own, but because he's he's neutral or or whatever, he right. still does things uh, to help out the the crops or the the animals. Sure. And it's become this legend that yeah. like, oh, the 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 the, the nimble fingers is going to come and and save your pig. Right. You know, he'll fly in his in his owl yeah. at, in, in, in the night. Maybe that, yeah, and he's, um, maybe every every step he takes toward soothing an animal and being a helpful member of society, not only can, it, it sort of disguises his dark dealings, right, mm-hmm. in, in this guise of a folk hero, but every animal that he deals with, maybe he's learning more about, uh, about the wild and the way that animals communicate with each other because he has decided that the only way he deserves, he can earn his spot as an owl writer is to truly understand nature in its fullest. Yeah. And and maybe that's a requirement, maybe it isn't, but it's what it's what he has taken onto himself as his responsibility. So every animal that he gets to work with, he it, it sort of makes him feel like he deserves this role as the as the night rider. Right. Right. But sometimes oh, night rider. I, like I think that. that's what it said. Yeah. It was yeah. like the the clan the clan night riders. N- night gliders. Night gliders. But that's I like what it was. night riders yeah, too. Night like it's Michael good. Knight and then his <laughs> his uh, owl is named Kit. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's got red eyes. Uh huh. Goes back and forth. <laughs> um, and but then you know as part of his his when his visit when he visits these animals uh, sometimes it's you know to communicate with them and figure out what the problem is and perhaps heal them or or, or make mm-hmm. it feel better but sometimes they might be too far gone and that's where the necrosis comes in where he's like oh, oh he can he you know if it's a lame horse or something like that he will uh, come and visit it and kill that horse rather than have it suffer that's amazing so then if he kills it with his div- divine furry then <laughs> it's it is a it starts the decay process right away. So right. so it's like he is, rather than it being with a dark deity, I like this, um, the the decay process, he starts that um, to return them to the earth as fast as possible. Right. Right? Yeah. So it is, it's all about like that, that life cycle, that life and death cycle. And maybe that's one of the reasons people uh, respect and, and um, call upon his services so often is because even if their animal is too far gone, they know that... Um, Olin will return it to, you know, whence it came yeah. with expediency. Right. I like all that. Yeah. Um, but he's not much, of, even though he's a barbarian, he's definitely not much of a fighter, right? Like, no, he's, he's much more not. Of a, uh, he's not. Yeah, how would you, how would you uh, see him in battle? Well, okay, so he has unarmored defense, so I assume he's not wearing armor. Um, uh, no. Where's his equipment? Can you click on that? Usually that doesn't. You start. It, oh, doesn't, it doesn't give you on the on the okay, random cool. stuff. So, so I, I assume because uh, barbarians have an armor defense, it's uh, ten plus the dex mod plus the constitution mod. Mm-hmm. So he's got uh, ten plus two, so twelve twelve armor class. <laughs> Still not great for a no, barbarian, but at least good. you know he's he's got that high dex, those nimble fingers, and that's that you know speedy little body. So he's not wearing any armor, not even light armor. So. Nothing. He is this little ghostwise. I always think of ghostwise halflings as being very, very pale. Mm. Um, so oh, almost like a, like a, a 
oh gosh, what's the term for when a, a creature is completely white without melanin? Uh, albino. albino. Yeah. So I think of him as being kind of albino, um, white eyes, and uh, the very a very ethereal looking creature who's also maybe like stripped to the waist. Maybe he he oh. wears he wears like um, cloth pants or something, but otherwise he's. He's got, <laughs> he's not very strong, so he's not like a ripped up dude. Yeah, he might be frail. Yeah, he's he's got minus one strength, um, but it's something to do with his affinity for nature. And ooh, maybe his eyes—they're they're this pale white, but they look like um, if if you see a picture of an owl with light reflecting in it, almost yeah. like a replicant owl from Blade Runner. Right, that's what his eyes look like. Ooh, cool. Right, is that he almost looks blind? He's not he's not blind, but he's got that kind of like cataract look about him um, because he it makes him resemble it look it, like that's his that's his affinity to owls yeah. like he has those like big owl Ooh, eyes and what if what if when he's uh, speaking telepathically to the animals his eyes cloud over even more Ooh, yeah and they get you can almost see the clouds like swirling and then when Ooh, he's communicating cool. with the uh, with animals he's trying to but yeah. since they don't speak common or halfling <laughs> He's not usually very successful. So it's been emotions that he. I think so. I think I think that if he's if he's communicating with them telepathically, in this way that's intended to be soothing, um, it's really more about like the the kind of thing that you when you you're you walk up to a horse you're like, yeah, good girl, girl. you know, yeah, ooh, so such a good horsey. It's that kind of thing that he's, but he's doing it telepathically, which is part of what makes people. respect and maybe fear his magic, right? Mm. Because anybody can walk up to a dog and be like, good boy, yeah. But if somebody's just looking at a dog and then they're reacting like, oh my gosh, somebody's saying good boy to me, um, that that would be essentially a magic trick, right? Yeah. So I, I think that's that's a big part of, of his appeal. I love it. I love it. What does he uh, sound like? What would what, Olin, when he is talking, what would uh, his words be? I think he's got a, you know, he's, oh, let's see. Because if he speaks telepathically, he might. He doesn't speak well, you out know, loud it, much. Right. Yeah. It might, yeah. He might be mute. Ooh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Because he can speak telepathically with any creature. Yeah. And if he's dealing with halflings, um, he speaks halfling and they speak halfling. So he can communicate telepathically with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe he's mute. Maybe his all of his communication is telepathic. Ooh. I like, I like that, that a lot. That's right. really cool. And he is, it's. It's again. It's part of his folk hero ness. Is that he has this unnerving appearance, and frankly, it's unnerving when a voice appears in your head that you weren't expecting. Yeah. But because his his um, his manner is so unthreatening, and he's clearly got away with animals, he just he puts people at their ease mm. right away. Um, and the voice in the in their head is very. It's like um. It's like a radio voice, like Roman Mars and ninety nine percent invisible. Right. It's like. I'm Roman Mars. It's that. It's, it sounds it's, like candy. Yeah, it's it is butter smooth. So you just like everybody, a creature or or humanoid. The the minute you hear his voice in your head, you're like everything's gonna be okay. You know, he's got this. Yeah, he's, he's got, got me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have you heard Roman Mars on like a random like interview, and he still has that radio voice? Think, and I'm like, how does he do it? I think he just that's what that's just he his talks voice. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like butter just oozes out of his mouth yeah. whenever and he speaks. I think I think he must always. Talking to a, a microphone, just like this. <laughs> and he's always got cans on yeah. doing it. He's like, he's, I sound real good right It now. sounds so good, right? It's like, I got to order a pizza <laughs> through this microphone. <laughs> Call them on Skype. I don't speak outside of this. And that's what all the nimble fingers will do. He'll be that's like, right. it's okay, boy. Yep. You're all right. You're, you've got a lame leg. I'm You're dead now. I'm nimble fingers, and I will put you out of your misery. 
<laughs> you will be uh, uh, nutrients for new crops that will feed thousands of little halflings from years to come. Yeah, I bet he uh, he is a life and death cycle unto himself, right? So he is, but he's soothing. He makes people feel better about death. Yeah. Maybe he could be like a Dr. Kevorkian. Oh. So for people who have like a, your your grandmother is terminally ill, she's super, super old, and she wants to go peacefully while she still has the wherewithal to do so, yeah. he can come in and like do his divine fury on her and then bring her to the earth. Like they, they could have, they have a service where they lay out, you know, this, this ancient halfling uh, right on the grass. Yeah. This beautiful, like I, I'm imagining under a tree and there's flowers everywhere and they've cleared out this, this grassy bed and she's lying there and she's peaceful. And then he does his magic and her, her body just sort of dissolves into the earth oh. and it's just left with clothing there. Oh, I love and this that. is like a, a, a local funeral rite that he helps to conduct and, and to, to send their spirit to the earth. I love that. Isn't that cool? That is really cool. I like all of And he goes to different clans that yeah. are like in the, in the area where he is and that's what he's known as right. being. Is that, and you have to, um, as the folk hero thing, you have to like, you know, welcome him and keep him in and keep him fed. Yep. But there's also this distance of like, right. well, you are the funeral man yes. who comes and he's and a little creepy. A little creepy. And I think the, the Roman Mars voice goes great with that. Yes. Right? It's just like a very soothing mortician. And I'm thinking almost like, um, uh, like a post-apocalyptic world or a story like that where, where this type of rebirth and giving the nutrients back into, uh, the ground is a very important, important, vital part yeah. of their life cycle now. Yeah. 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 And maybe, I mean, it's magic, right? So maybe they have superstition that if they elect to be returned to the earth in this ritual, that they themselves um, will have like their willpower, their soul will power the the farm, the family farm. Like yeah. they're, they're like, okay, once I return to the earth, I can go look and find the places that need my nutrients, and then I am able to, and and so it it's it's considered good luck. Mm-hmm. It's it's a um, the the crops are if they they're dry or whatever. Um, it's it's like a, a self sacrifice, almost like donating your body to science, right? Yeah, uh, you're you're like I would like to donate myself, and. Every time this happens, there's flourish, right? Yeah. And so it's it's become a one to one correlation for these people. Oh, it's actually a sad thing, but actually is a it's an important yes. part of the rebirth it's cycle. A super, super important part. And yeah. so people look forward to death because they know it's going to help support oh. the people that are left behind. They have a completely different relationship with death in this community. That's fascinating. Yeah. But there's so many adventure hooks there too, where like right. if if, if yeah. one person in the village is like, No, I don't want that. Right. And then all of a yeah. sudden, you know, you have these conflicts that are inherent in the culture. And then you you have Olin come in and kind of explain it, right? Yeah. Like Olin, Olin has this way of making people understand what's important about this life-death cycle, right? Um, and he's he's able to to help people feel better about what needs to happen um, because I, I mean he's not out there murdering people, but he people who are going to die, he helps them um, hospice style, yeah. right? He helps them understand like you are going to sustain the entire village for a season. So there's nothing to be afraid of. Like all we're going to be doing is partying in your honor and right. thanking you and for he, this. And he does that with you know the, the people of the village, but he also does this with the animals. Ex- and, and exactly. As they're, as they're, yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh god, it's so, so cool. So he, he like helps helps creatures sort of pass over into into this new form of existence, and and he makes them feel at peace with it, mm-hmm. regardless of 
whether they speak his language or not. So it sounds like we went really deep into how he's threaded into the society that mm-hmm. he's in. What's his call to adventure? Is it is just finding the the owl that he can ride to 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 make this better? Is he or yeah. is he trying to find more about the land that he lives in and that type of thing? You know, I think he might. There's so much that he could do, but one of the things that keeps occurring to me is that he might get called in to investigate suspicious deaths, right? If he if he has the ability to cast necrotic damage, he also might be able to examine necrosis and essentially be like a CSI type Whoa. in like the so maybe his call to adventure is that there has been a mysterious death, which almost never happens in this tiny halfling community, right? Yeah. There's no murder. There's no disappearances. It's very, it's the Shire. Right. Um, but they have found a, a, a person, a young person who uh, was yesterday just fine. They've discovered them dead and the, the necrotic energy, they f- at first think, what did Olin do this, mm. right? Because this is the same kind of decay we see him and his magic con- oh, perform. Oh, God, what a great story. But he didn't. And so... But he's he's the only one who can maybe look at it and try to find clues and and follow where they take him in order to um, to figure out what kind of magic did this, who's responsible for this death. Awesome. All right. So let's get our uh, our summary of what Olin Nimble Fingers is all about. Okay. All right. You want to do it or should I? You do it. Okay. So he is a ghostwise halfling barbarian, meaning that he is a. Uh, neutral being in this community, a little bit outcast because of his strange appearance, his cloudy eyes, the ability to uh, telepathically communicate with any creature near him, um, and has a status amongst the villagers as the bringer of death, the funeral rites, Mm -hmm. uh, in which he just bestows upon them uh, a necrotic death based on his uh, affinity to a deity, did we say? It could be, yeah. It could but be. I think more of nature itself. Yeah, I think because he he is he's so attuned to that life death cycle right. that the necrotic damage d- doesn't have anything to do with an evil deity. It's just his his um, his way of of bringing death in a peaceful way that that makes sense. Right, just and like natural decay for all the uh, uh, creatures that he bestows this upon. Their nutrients go back into the soil and yep. immediately re- enrich it. And yep. uh, his appearance is. Uh, uh, lauded by the, the 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 villagers when he does come, but at the same time they don't want them him hanging out all the time. So he's a nomadic kind of person around yeah. different clans and different areas. Exactly, and, and this is happening. Right. Um, he may at one time want to find a an owl that he can ride to make right. this a little bit better, which will increase his legend. Yep. Um, he's a bit intimidating. Uh, uh, not much of a, a battler. <laughs> no, I think it's a strange choice that he went into the barbarian thing, except for. The fact that he would want to be closer to beasts, yeah. you know, like that—that that is his path. He's not there yet as a sixth-level thing, right? Um, but that's his aim. Is a, like I know that my barbarian self. I know that there's a spirit inside me that's primal and and um, feels like a creature, and so yeah. I want to follow that, right? Even though I'm not a very strong person. And he's very pale and uh, frail in his uh, appearance, mm-hmm. wearing mostly homespun linens, maybe not even a shirt, right? Uh, and his eyes are. Um, clouded over uh, in general uh, and and mute, mute, does not speak, uh, only speaks telepathically, and when it is telepathically, it sounds like Roman Mars in your head. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's he's Dr. Death, and he he ushers people um, onto the other side, which is um, because of of his ritual practice has become something that is a celebration. Right. And people, people look forward to being able to 
um, nourish and protect people after death and and everyone's death serves a purpose. And for him, yeah, right, the circle of life is extremely important. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's many hooks that can come up, say, if someone unbalances this cycle, he will be the person who will want to investigate and find it and perhaps recruit adventurers to help him out. Exactly, yeah. All right. Dude. I love, I love him. I like Owen. I want to play him. I want to play him too. Yeah. Right? Or even so as an NPC, good. right? Yeah, like, I mean, how great would it be? That's what we keep doing with these sheets, right, is we're, we're providing them so people can use them as NPCs in their exactly. game. But, man, this one's a good PC. I really, really like him. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, we will, uh, as always, make this link available in our show notes. Uh, you will be able to access this character sheet and maybe use some of the backstory that we've come up for Olin Namblefingers. Yay! Thanks, Kate. I love this segment. This I do, too. so much fun. I love how every single time we're like, ooh, there's a lot of numbers, and then it ends up being this a, really intricate storyline. Totally, yeah. And this is the random character generator on uh, D&D Beyond. It, it's just perfect for this kind of thing. I don't know. Like, I, I always thought it was just kind of a goof. Like, who would want to use a random character generator? But being able to do these segments with you and see the story that emerges from these numbers is yeah. Awesome. It reminds me of like long form improv comedy. Yeah. Right? Where they're like, here's a seed. Doesn't really, who knows if it's going to be a good thing, but the, what's created from it is right. bigger than where we started. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, so cool. I'm hoping that we give uh, people more uh, license to do this kind of creativity. Yes. Please do random character generator in your own uh, fan group, your your family there, your D&D group, because this is this is a blast. It's so much fun. So if people want to use all in nimble fingers uh, and or ask you questions about them, how can they do that on the... Internets. You can uh, ask me questions on Twitter at Kate Welch, which is four H's at the end. What about you, Greg? I am at Greg Tito. Just one. With just one. Just one o. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Uh, and yeah, awesome. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Greg. Bye. Bye. My God. Mind blown. We are rocking out. That was rocking out. Woo! Bruce Springsteen. Inspired. (laughs) Bruce loved it. He is in jungle land. Uh, That's Bruce Springsteen's song, right? Don't know that one. Uh, just hollow notes? You want to do some hollow notes? Yeah, instead? I All right. do. And we'll get up in that. All right. Uh, but before we do sing out some hollow notes, let's talk to Nina Heath and... Selena Hyman. Yes. Now. We have from Dwarven Forge, Nina Heath and Selena Heinen. Hello. Yay. All the way from sunny Brooklyn, New York. It's sunny today. Yay. That that counts. That's Greg's old stomping grounds. It's true. He wants to spend an hour talking to you about Brooklyn. uh, Yeah, that's really all I want to do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Nina, we saw each other there in February. Uh, yeah, you came and visited. That was great. It was so fun, and I felt like I was back at home, uh, not only because of, of uh, you know being around where I used to live, but your hospitality there was amazing. Did you get to go to like their studio? I don't think the yeah, one you guys are in now, right? You've moved, right? Um, we were in the process of expanding into an additional space. So you saw the old one with all of our super top secret prototypes in it. Oh, really? It was top secret at the that time. That would be so fun. Some of it still is. Ooh. I won't, yeah. I won't, I won't spoil anything. Um, but uh, uh, well, you know, for those who may not know exactly what you do for Dwarven Forge, why don't you, why don't you give a little bit of description of, of, of all the things that Nina does, and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk to Selena and tell, uh, find all out right. about her. Will do. 
Um, so I'm Nina Heath. I'm one of the senior creatives at Dorvan Forge. Um, I'm on one of the lead sculptors. I'm the director of social media. Selena and I are actually the entire social media marketing community outreach team. Nice. Uh, so if you're talking to us online and you're getting a little salty, you can picture <laughs> us coming at our desk. <laughs> This is actually my desk, so I'll be right here sobbing. Yeah, to really set the scene. (laughs) That's beautiful. Forage on the internet, you're probably talking to either me or Selena. Um, So also, for those of you who have backed one of our Kickstarters, you may know me as Valorian Seneschal or Neela the Paladin. Um, And I am absolutely thrilled to be here and talking to you guys. We're thrilled to be talking to you. And so, uh, Selena, what's what's exactly you're you're only doing social media, or you do other stuff as well? Uh, So, at this company, we all wear many hats. (laughs) Uh, I was brought on to do the video work. My official title here is video wizard because there's a lot of wizardry when it comes to video creation. There's a bajillion steps, and I do all of them, (laughs) from writing to producing to directing to filming to editing to posting and then we do social media and the marketing i see all the video content through and through uh and then i just do regular social media monitoring with nina and we do social outreach and other marketing stuff brainstorming yes we're a tiny company so when selena came on she was just enthusiastic to help with everything um and i had been doing a lot and she's totally stepped up and jumped in sweet that must be a relief for a small company like that that's that's really important to have those type of go-getters yeah so before this interview greg and i were talking about how you like there's a lot of love for the two of you in the community because when we had announced that you were going to be on Dragon Talk and then you guys were talking about being on the show, there I have never seen so many people like, like yes, yes, I love them. They're amazing. Oh, we so- actually even had counterparts at our parent company, our coworker, our uh, peers from Hasbro email us to say how much they love you guys too. And they were really oh, excited oh, about <laughs> And I was like, you guys listen to Dragon Talk? <laughs> no, we were like, what? wait, you know what we're doing? Huh? You I don't know, know my if that's name? a good idea. That's not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot. It's on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Um, had a really good time. Yeah, it's been a fun week. <laughs> and your show was hilarious. I don't know why you're surprised that people listen to it. Oh. I'm only surprised. I know, right? Well, because Shelly doesn't actually I actually, actually li- don't listen. She kind of like pretends oh. that this is a vacuum. If I weren't on it, I could listen to it. But I, I can't. Understand. I can't hear me. I just, oh, I'm sorry for everybody who has to listen. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. I'm just not going to listen. <laughs> I feel about watching our Kickstarter videos. <laughs> it's 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 hard. You guys had a recent recent Kickstarter out there. Uh, wh- let's talk about that. What's that all about? The uh, uh, the the lava uh, and, and things that uh, people might have seen at D and D Live. Uh, um, yeah. So our latest Kickstarter, we journeyed into the nine hells. All right. Um, we created lava terrain, which is something we've been wanting to revisit since KS2, um, which was just a lava paint scheme on cavern sculpts. Uh, but for this new hellscape set, we sculpted it from beginning to end to be lava flows. 
Um, and then when we got further along in the project, we're like, how would devils decorate their their cribs? So oh, fascinating. Hey, MTV, these, welcome to my hell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, this is, uh, we did MTV Cribs Hellscape. <laughs> I love this. Um, the thing is, is like the person who's showing off the house doesn't actually get to leave because it is hell. Oops. They're locked in. They're locked in. Okay. So what, like what research goes into something like that when you're, when you're brainstorming ideas for like, what would hell look like? How would devils decorate? Like what, where where are you getting like your inspiration from? Well, we start with the materials that you guys provide, honestly, reading about how this is supposed to look. We thought about uh, devils being lawful evil and how that would affect the way they go about building things. And in addition to that, um, Eli Alexander, another one of the lead sculptors, and I, we did so much photo research into how lava looks and how it moves. There's actually on our YouTube where the artists are talking about the inspiration and the whole process of making these pieces and this whole Kickstarter. So you should check that out. It's called The Making of Hellscape on our YouTube. Yes. As Video Wizard, did you make that happen? Did you make that? Yeah, that was on me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Are you really the only person in the company that's doing videos? Do you do all the videos? I have of freelancers. So for big projects like Kickstarters, uh, I bring in a cinematographer, a couple PAs, and an assistant editor. So I do the the major videos, like the intro video, that making a Pellscape video. And then uh, for this recent Kickstarter, my assistant, Chris London, he came in and helped me finish the intro video because I was away in Europe because uh, we had really great timing with uh, <laughs> setting the launch Kickstarter. So he put the finishing touches on the intro video and then he did cut all of the walkthroughs. Um, meanwhile, our cinematographer, Aaron Blanton, filmed all of it with a whole team of incredible PAs. Nice. That's, it, it takes a village to uh, uh, create something like that yep. where you're like, all right, that's just a minute of video. It can't be that hard. But you're like, all right, no. <laughs> Weeks of shooting. Oh, my God. So much shooting. And then so much editing. I think we, we probably made at least 15 videos for this Kickstarter. Uh, and for one person to do that alone is impossible. So I, I, got, I have some help that swoops in and then they swoop back out. I love it. I love it. It's a lot like podcasting where, you know, I, Shelly does it all. 15 hours. You have of, to do everything. It's do. So, so hard. I do. Most people think I just like show up at noon and sit down. But no, <laughs> no. The real brains behind the operation. <laughs> not true. Not true at all. Um, so just I, I love your, the, the, what you guys create. I think I, I just love miniature things anyway. So I just, it's just fascinating the amount of detail that is in this and knowing like you're actually sitting there studying hours of, you know, footage watching lava slowly drip away. Um, but like, so what is the, what is the timeline from like, how long does it take to make this stuff a reality? Usually our production schedule is about a year. The Hellscape one was a lot faster. Um, We weren't actually even planning initially to do a Kickstarter in June. It just worked out as being the best time for the production to get the pieces to the backers in as timely a fashion as we could. 
Um, but we've been working on the lava pieces since, was that November that you shot that first? Yeah, the first round of filming happened in November. Uh, but I think you guys had started in October, September, or October. Right. So October, and then we launched in June. Wow. So math. So math, right. Nine, nine months? That doesn't Ish. seem like Ten a very long time. Yeah, it was a baby. We had a little evil baby. <laughs> little evil <laughs> hellboy. That's amazing. Um, yeah, and I saw, you know, as we were saying, I saw it in February, some of the, some of the prototypes and the things oh, that yeah, were being worked on. Gulps. Yeah. And that was really great because I'm like, oh, I didn't know you guys. I, I had no idea what you guys were working on. I'm like, this is the best synergy ever because we have this thing that's happening under NDA, <laughs> we told you. <laughs> Fun coincidence. Yes. I love when, when, when synergy happens like that. Uh, and it ended up being great. And obviously the, the work that Nate and uh, Shad Ross put into making that hellscape in the front of uh, the oh, D&D Live so thing. Cool. I mean, I think people were just really excited for, for you guys to, to talk about this, uh, this Kickstarter right after that. We're so thrilled to be a part of that. It looked awesome. It was. It was, it was truly amazing. What was it like for you, for you Nina, seeing like, your work on, on being, uh, you know, sculpting and making all this happen and then all of a sudden seeing it on yeah, a stage like that? a lot of times. Like, <laughs> you, you make it and it goes off to your backers or to whoever is buying it and you don't get to see it in use. Well, that's actually the great thing about social media. Like, literally on Twitter last night, I tweeted at somebody, is it indecent how excited I get to see what people build with what I help make. No. Cause I, I'm like giddy. I'm like sitting there with my phone, like, Oh my God, I love your build. I'm going to repost it. I want it's the community is amazing. And I, I just, honestly, everyone post your builds, tag us. I want to see every single one of them. I want to see them too. <laughs> it's gotta be a good motivator too. When you're like, oh, you definitely. know, Oh, I feel down it's not working, but let me just go scroll through these pictures of people's creativity. And then you're like, you know, get a shot, a shot of energy again, right? Mm-hmm. And the amount of detail, and I know that you like to hide little things yes. in the sculpts for people to find. Uh-huh. You do? Well, really? Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Look, um, yeah. Look it's, harder, Tito. I guess I'm not as observant as I thought I was. When you get the sets, you got to turn the pieces in all different directions because um, me, Eli, Michelle, we've all hidden weird little things in little places. Like what? right um yeah thoughtful touches that's what we call them uh, my favorite one from hellscape is i hid a little imp skeleton on the back of one of the pieces oh that's gotta be so tiny oh <laughs> yeah it's gotta be like super super tiny oh she's she's grabbing it all right it was we were play testing last night and uh this was one of the pieces so I can't tell if it's in focus. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Oh, it looks oh, like a yeah. fossil. Yeah. Yeah. He's fossilized. Um, and that's the front. Eli. Oh, yeah. So lava. Really great lava waterfall flow. It oh. really is. It's lava. That's real lava. Real lava. Yeah. Frozen in. Oh, my God. It's amazing. There, give it to the video professional to show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, I love that. I'm, she's showing it off way better. <laughs> It's my job. I love the skeleton, though, because, I mean, you know, there is the theory that uh, people seeing the skeletons of dinosaurs in rocks is what created the mythology behind dragons. Yeah. 
right? It's awesome. And you're basically doing that, but in imp form. Oh, yeah. But like it's about two times the size of a regular uh, 28 millimeter scale human. So he's kind of a big imp. <laughs> Even scarier. Big boy. Yep. So how did how does one get into the line of work that you both are doing? By accident. <laughs> Purely by accident. Us yeah. too. Us too. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I ended up here because I worked with Nate, our creative director. Um, we worked in advertising together. He is a director and editor as well as everything else he does here. Uh, that This was kind of his side hustle. Um, but when uh, the company we worked for went under, he came here uh, as a partner. And then he was like, well, you're coming with me. And that's how I ended up here. Nice. Like like Jerry Maguire style? <laughs> Probably. I don't understand that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, whatever. Hey. Look it up. It's a thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to uh, describe it. I'm like, that's, that's, that's not going to be worthwhile. Um, watch it. Yeah. <laughs> I will Google it later. I'll make a note. You Googleize it. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's, I mean, that's, I love that we all, uh, probably didn't go to school to make D and D products, oh, no. <laughs> but you, Nina, went you went to, to art school, right? Science. Oh yeah. You- <laughs> After graduating, um, with my political science degree, I mainly just use oh. that as a coaster. I keep it on my desk and I put mugs on it. But anyway, yeah, I studied art after that. Um, and that's actually how I ended up here is I was studying at one of the schools that Stefan Picorni, our CEO, had also attended. Um, and he pulls students from the school occasionally to do work, at least during the early Kickstarters. And he had hired a friend of mine and she couldn't show up anymore. So she's like, you want to go to this random job for me? And I show up and it's flipping Dorvin Forge. Oh my like, god! She called it um, just a random job. <laughs> well, she she wasn't into Dungeons and Dragons, so she didn't know what she had. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I told Stefan, I was like, "I'll take all of these home and paint them for you. And if you don't like it, you don't have to pay me." Wow! Badly, I wanted to continue. That's so fun. Well, I take it he liked it. He did, and I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, yay! And doing amazing work. Um, when uh, when let's talk about your first D and D experience. I want to find out what it was like. What 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 you know uh, uh, about fantasy drew you in? Uh, Celine, you want to go? First? Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, so Nate described me as D and D curious uh, before I met him, and it was like I'd always want. I'd heard of it. I had some friends who went to college and then played it, but. I never had the opportunity, and then I started working here. And so my, I'm very lucky to have had my first D&D experience on Dwarven Forge terrain. Yeah. And I'm obsessed with it now. Uh, I've, I've taught most of my friends how to play, and I DM sometimes out of necessity, as one does. Uh, and I, I love it. I'm in it. Here I am on the Dungeons & Dragons podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of characters do you typically play? Uh, so when I, my first character is a tiefling paladin, I was basically, they just needed a tank to the existing party. But in some of my other games, my favorite one, her name is Xana. She's a 12 year old gnome barbarian who is literally raised by wolves. And she has almost no charisma because she's not used to society 
and she has a great character voice. It's, hi, my name's Sarah! <laughs> she's so little and going through puberty. Oh, and that's adorable. Aren't, like, used to speaking. She, she's a maniac. She's basically an ankle biter. Small, feral child. Yeah, she's a small, feral child. That sounds great. Yeah. Sounds very similar to the to the forest gnome paladin that I've been playing with uh, uh, with Morals' group. Uh, I, I, I just love gnomes, and they I play. We all love gnomes. So that much. voice, you can just, you, you immediately feel like a gnome when you go that little, like, high-pitched, like. Do you I have don't know, a voice for your gnome? I do. I'm trying to, no, I got to, like. Uh, yeah, let's uh, hear it. Oh, Channel. Uh, I'm not trying to remember. It goes like, um, because she also uh, she has she's a high uh, intelligence, but a very low wisdom. So she's oh. very curious and wants to find out everything, but does, makes very bad decisions. So she'll always be like, "Yeah, let's go in and fight. I think it's time. What are you guys doing? Okay. Oh, yeah. She's very uh, uh, excitable and very high. That's not even really what it is. I have to get into it a little bit before I okay. I get okay, it. Think about it. Let's do a little role play right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm Santa, what's your name? I don't know, but why do you talk like that? Because <laughs> I'm not good at it. Oh, I have a dragon friend. He also can't talk very well. Oh, we should be friends. <laughs> <laughs> I love that voice. I also play with a lot of uh, uh, people who don't use voices. So I am the one who's the weirdo. Uh, and that helps because I immediately started adopting your tone of voice, which I do in conversation with people. Like when they have an accent, do you ever do that? Where you're like, oh, you're talking in British? Well, I'm going to as well. Oh, yeah. That's basically what you and Shelly and I do. Uh, the, so when I'm going through all the footage from filming, we just have this habit of only speaking in a random accent that day. And so I'll pull a clip where we're speaking in like a German accent. And then this is before I add the like voiceover. So I have like German to French to Russian and it gets, it gets pretty crazy in the studio because you're doing like 12 hour days and everyone's tired and uh, it gets, it gets weird. Yeah. And definitely like going all out with the accents and the games. Mm-hmm. It helps. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the secret of podcasting. I don't know if anybody knows that. Voices. It's voices. <laughs> Just voices. It's very important to a podcast. I'm glad we figured that out. It's true. Yeah, we should write a book. Nina, so what Nina, w- you've been uh, playing D&D for a long time, right? I know. I'm just going to um, say that. So. <laughs> You're good. She's good. For a decade. Um, my first experience, though, it's, with it is actually kind of funny. Um, in the town where I grew up, there was only one sort of gaming and comic book shop. I used to go there with an older cousin and they had this room where people would be playing Magic the Gathering um, and D&D. But the first time I saw it, I was like this little kid. I'm not really sure even how old I was, but just this like tiny little weirdo with gigantic glasses. And I saw these people playing a game and I like stood there watching them. And I was like, oh my God, they're playing Lord of the Rings. Because <laughs> I know what D D was yeah i could see that like, oh my god they're wizards like yeah. this cool and so of course i walk up i'm like what are you guys doing and they're like whose kid is this oh <laughs> there's a kid on the loose <laughs> um but ever since then i like i sort of pursued it i'm like who do i know that that can dm because as a as a kid or even a preteen it was this like inaccessible thing um like i growing up in the 90s um you couldn't play with people on the internet really so you had to find a local group find someone that had a set of rules someone that was willing to run a game 
get people to do it, get them to all show up at the same time in the same place. So it wasn't until I moved to New York and had the benefit of like meetup groups and so, so, so many game stores that I was able to play with any regularity. That's why like uh, Roll20 is great. Like what a, what an amazing thing to have now to just yeah. like jump on oh, yeah, and find. Kids these days, they don't know. They have no idea how much easier it is. Yep. Player's Handbook is like, a free PDF online. So that makes it even easier. Are you guys in New York right now? <laughs> it's Brooklyn. It's, Ignore the siren. Does that, does that bring you? It does. It brought me back. Like it totally brought me back. Last podcast as free women. Yeah, we're <laughs> gonna go going on the run. Oh, man. <laughs> Thelma and Louise. Louise. Yeah. Drive that car right off the cliff. Nina and Selena. It's a. Uh, it's. Selena, if you will. Selena. <laughs> Selena. Oh, um, Sanina is the name of the demon that would form if we melded together. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Let's try that live on Dragon Talk. I, I want to see it. A little melding together. It's like a Stranger Things 3 reference here. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> just finished watching that. No spoilers. No Me spoilers. I, but, oh, I just finished it too. Me too. I think okay. we, all, we all did. We I'm all not going to say time. anything. But everyone dies at the end. The ship about. goes down. It was a ghost uh, the whole time. Yeah, uh, it was a it was a guy in a mask. <laughs> anyway, that's amazing though that like uh, uh, we do have those tools to be able to play online with Roll Twenty and things like that. But do you ever feel like, well, we're making these products for in person <laughs> play uh, uh, and having it be like uh, on the table and that that conflict? It helps with online play too, especially mm. if people can get a camera on it. Everybody can see exactly where they are in relation to each other and what they're fighting. Yeah. So I think it's great. It's just a great tool for everybody to get on the same page with what's happening and it speeds up all combat encounters. Yeah. And it slows down setup time a little bit, I guess, or at least it's it, up in advance and it's fun. Yeah. Well, I think that's true. I mean, I played with a bunch of people who have used uh, Dwarven Forge stuff, and uh, I really like the idea of setting it up in a place that people can't see. Uh, so that people will do, like, uh, 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 like, not to drop names, but Mr. Joe Manganello, when he was dungeon mastering, he had, like, set up in his, like, closet. And then when we got to a new room or a new encounter, he could just go to his closet and take out the already set up room and drop it on the table and I was like, oh, my gosh, that's the greatest thing in the world. I want to be able to do that. Yes, one day. We have these things called terrain trays. Yes. Uh, and they're really great for flying rooms in and out for uh, rapid fire reveals on your table. Because all of our new pieces have anchor magnets. And so they stick to the metal tray and you can put it upside down and everything. Oh, stays. that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, we had to come up with a solution for how to get things in quickly because you don't want the pieces just flying everywhere. So are you coming up with these types of things in response to, like, the, the increase in streaming and, like, live games and things like that? Has that impacted how you guys are, are doing any work? Or was this a response to something else or just – it's just cool? Um, it's something that has been a thought pretty much continuously is, like, how can we make this easier for people to use? Yeah. Um, and there's definitely a lot more people using it now than there used to be. And I think that's definitely a result of the stream. So we're getting all this really great feedback from all these different people. 
And during the Kickstarter, uh, in the comments, we have a lot of people commenting like, well, did you think of doing this? And sometimes we're like, oh, that's a good idea. Add it to the list. And then uh, we'll at least have like a sculpt for them by the end of the uh, campaign. So like uh, the, in the input from Kickstarter backers is like crucial. That's why we choose to do Kickstarter over pre-sale or some other method because it's not a finished product. And we, it, this is for everyone. It's not just for us. It's not just our vision. It's everyone's vision. So we want to uh, bring what everyone has to every piece. You've done a really good job of, of, of curating that community to a certain extent where people feel, I mean, even, you know, what Nina was saying about like just being able to see everybody's sculpts and builds and, and, and how they did it. Um, I, 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 that's one of the really exciting parts about seeing all of it for, for myself, you know, uh, on, on social media is that like everybody's supportive and really excited about what everyone else is doing in the community. And I think it's, it's kind of indicative of like the DIY spirit that's been behind D and D, you know, since the seventies and you guys are just doing it more, but in this, you know, tactile sculpt, you know, type thing. I love it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't, I consider it D and DIY until it gets sent to the factory. So (laughs) (laughs) D and DIY. DIY. What a great podcast idea. That is a great podcast. I'm Write a, that down. I'm already I'm trademarking it already. <laughs> Greg squatting on the name. <laughs> Cyber squatting on <laughs> D and DIY. That and Air D and D. I need a. Oh wow. <laughs> oh yeah. What would that be? It's a, well, I mean, it's a little bit like a travel show uh, that would go to fantastic destinations. Okay, I think someone might be Air D and D, where you can go and rent out people's game rooms. And all of their accoutrements. Like, yeah. I like to play D&D, but I don't have all this cool equipment or, like, awesome terrain stuff. And I, nor do I have a place to play. And then you can just be like, oh, you can come hang out in my game room. 20 bucks an hour. There are some amazing out there. I don't know if you've seen the pictures of uh, Joe Mandanello's, I think he calls it the Gary Gygax Memorial Dungeon. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing. Wouldn't there it be are cool? some, like, DMs for hire. I've definitely oh, seen yeah. that. Uh, it's like, come to my house. I have Dwarven Forge and minis and everything, and you just pay like an hourly thing, and they come up with a great story for you. I think that's a really interesting business thing. Yep. There was actually just that article about DMs for hire in like Forbes or Bloomberg. Something. Bloomberg. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a, it's a pretty lucrative side hustle. And I think you guys are an important part of that because it does create, you yes. know, you got to have a library of terrain to be able to do different things and, and, uh, I think over the time of you doing all the Kickstarters you've been doing, you've created this great just you know variety of pieces that people can use. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> our yeah. catalog's really big. I don't know how we're going to fit it all on the table at Gen Con. Yeah, <laughs> we have a lot to show off at Gen Con. It's uh, a stress. Are you two going to be at Gen Con? We, we will. will be there. Awesome. Good. No one. Yeah, we're uh, part of the convention committee. You can't escape us. I think that's good. <laughs> uh, how many of, of them have you been to? Uh, this will be my third Gen Con. This is my second Gen Con, and then we both went to PAX East this previous winter, spring. I've kind of stopped going to conventions that I'm not working at. It's overwhelming. I yeah. don't like it anymore. <laughs> yeah. I used to go to New York Comic Con every year, but... I just, it's overwhelming. 
There is a thing, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> little weird story, but we got um, uh, uh, some recognition here at Wizards of the Coast uh, uh, amongst what we were doing here for D&D, and part of the, the reward was, oh, yeah, you get to go to a, any game convention of, of your choice. And I'm like, I, why? <laughs> I will most likely be working there, and if I'm not, I don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of Can we true. do something here, local, with family? Just give me involved. a hotel room. Yeah, right. Well, just take the hotel room. <laughs> I don't want to go. In a sauna. Thank you. Yes. Right. Yeah. Can I just live in the sauna, please? Yeah, just a oh, day imagine off. Imagine how wet the character it would be bad. would get. That it would be, be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now we have to design, uh, uh, you know, plastic oh, laminated. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> more ideas that we're coming up with here on this. Uh, see, that's when you talk to creative people. You just got nonstop more ideas coming out. Well, I've already copyrighted that one. <laughs> already? Like, while we're here, I'm actively copying. There's a lot of squatting going on around here <laughs> with these copywriting and trademarking. Nice. Uh, so, but Gen Con's going to be exciting for all of the stuff that you'll be able to, to do and interact with your, with your fans, right? Like, that's a big part yeah. of what that is. Yeah, and um, at this Gen Con, we are premiering a new thing. That we have an exclusive sneak preview for the Dragon Talk viewers. Ooh. What? You know, do yes, you want to show do. that off? Um, yes. Again, so this is why you should watch off. the stream. So we're, we partnered with Paiso uh, for the new Pathfinder 2 Plaguestone set. Uh-huh. Um, we made terrain that can be used for any rules edition. Um, but... I sculpted some mutant plants that I'm kind of proud of. Selena's going to show them off because I'm bad with the camera. But what? Oh, oh my god! Uh, so it's like a uh, big flower coming out of uh, a tile, and oh the my. petals. Oh my god! They almost look like—I uh, mean, not to me- reference Stranger Things again—but it looks like a demogorgon kind of like opening the- up with like a spider's web yep. of vines around it. Ooh. So that the inspiration is amazing. from a lot of the same things, like a corpse flower, but also with a lot of animal qualities. Yeah. There is, like, the thing that you sculpted this, there is amazing amount of detail in that. So that one shoots spores. Does that one have spores. something secret inside? Is there a secret? Um, you don't have to tell us what it is, but just, is it there? This one... No, actually. Okay. <laughs> it's very That's detailed. Good. They all don't. They all shouldn't have it, you know. The the pieces that we tend to hide things are on are the big uh ones with lots of uh faces for um room for sculpting. The mm. the miniatures, the monsters, things like that. There's a couple hidden on some of them like our Elder Earth Elemental Eli hit a bird's nest on his neck. So anyone that has that piece, look for it. And the, um, the Apex Primordial from uh, our Caverns Deep Kickstarter has a lot of thoughtful touches in there. We actually can't, like, when he told us how many, we were like, but we didn't find that many. And it became a game of I Spy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And here's oh. um, another sculpt. Ooh. So this is our Vine Lasher. Ooh. Shelly, you get to describe this one. Nope. It's really creepy, like a, like a almost like a scorpion ish. But it's got three tails in the back, and I'm really not good at describing these things. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta get hone this dungeon uh, mastering uh, uh, skills. Uh, uh, here. I can't do it. What is so this? What is this called? 
This is the vine lasher. It grabs you. Oh, he's got a mouth too. Shoves you into its mouth. Yep, there's this little red mouth on its back, and it's got one, two, three, four, five, six arms, tentacles. Oh, it's a massive tentacle. It's just all viney, thorny yeah. tentacles it's very to cool. grab you. It's a pretty yeah. color. Don't want to encounter that thing. I could see that no, being like friendly. Part of the Feywild, uh, you know, thing that could happen there, or or uh, the undead Feywild. flowers. Good idea. Yeah. Copyright it. <laughs> no one's ever said Feywild before. <laughs> oh, I just mean the idea of doing pieces for Yeah, Oh, that yes. would be amazing. That's genius. Idea. You guys are really slow playing this. <laughs> secrets upon secrets. Oh, those are beautiful. <laughs> I think your uh, your your hair, Selena, also would fit very well in the in the Feywild. Yeah, it's also poisonous. <laughs> and radioactive. So my for the for the listeners at home, I have uh, lime bright electric green roots with uh, fluorescent yellow everywhere else, <laughs> and I shadow the matches. Look look for the hair at Gen Con. Yes, yes you'll stand out. Will it be that color by Gen Con though? I, it changes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a week from now. I don't have time. Too much packing to do. <laughs> what is it like preparing to to pack out a booth like this? Because oh, yeah. a lot of it has to do with displaying these pieces, right? You know what? That's a lot to think about. Maybe we should. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw the stress levels rise oh, in your eyes. Don't there, talk about it. Uh, conventions are great. We love it. It's going to be so much fun. So are you guys going to be on any panels or anything also while you're there? Um, no panels. Well, I'm in two streams. Um, oh, nice. One stream, I, it's actually set in Eberron, which is interesting because I'm completely unfamiliar with that setting. I have, I have never been in a game set there. Mm. Um, and I'm going to be playing uh, a geriatric rogue who's coming out of retirement um, because she gambled away her uh, grandchildren's college fund on oh, the no. in the nursing home. So, in the nursing home. And that's going to be in Rudy Wootenberg's stream. He's the DM. Nice. Uh, Nate will also be in that game. That's Thursday at 10 a.m.? Yes. Thursday at 10 a.m., and you c- it'll be on the Gen Con live stream. Sweet. And then we'll have our big stream, which Nate is DMing, and we have some great guests for that. That one is... Saturday at 10 to 12. We still have a couple tickets available for it. Um, and the guests right now are Stefan Picorni, Satine Phoenix, Erica Ishii, Amy Dallin. Is that everybody? I love all those people. Yep. <laughs> Fun. And what's the timing for that one? That's um, Saturday, Saturday at 10. Awesome. Check out the Gen Con channel for that. Nina's going to be on the Gen Con live stream talking about artistry on Sunday, also at 10? Um, That's Sunday at 12, and that'll be me, Toby Lieberson, and Eli Alexander. And I'm just checking on the names for the stream real quick, and Selena's going to talk about something really fun. Yeah. (laughs) She's got the throwing it to someone else uh, style down. (laughs) There we go. It's a... that's how that's how things are here. We have a because there's only maybe twelve to fifteen of us that work here, so there's a lot of bouncing back and forth, and everyone pretty much has a say in what everyone else does, uh, and that's why 
um, like collaboration is so important here uh, because nothing is ever just one person's thing. Uh, then everyone gets to suggest a lot uh, to make everything greater. And uh, that's like D&D. Uh, all right. So the lineup for the stream, Stefan Picorni, Ember Moon, Sabine. Oh, Ember. Ember. Amy Down. That's it. Oh, that's going to be amazing. I yes, she like... was on your show last week. Yeah. She was. Yeah. yeah. Great um, episode. Oh, she's amazing. That, so, so we were talking about collaboration. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I was actually going to something else that I think is really important and that uh, our office has such a great mix of people, not only in the trades we perform, but also in like the genetic makeup. Uh, <laughs> we are not even we just are that. scientific. Yeah. The DNA of Dwarven Forge. I, so we have a, everyone from a little bit from almost every walk of life. We have a lot of women. We have uh, people of color. We have people of different sexual orientations. Uh, being like a straight cis male is rare, I guess. There's maybe like four in this entire company. And we really pride ourselves on that because having all this diversity also helps make our product great. And because we always have everyone's perspective in mind. Absolutely. I think that's a big part of the D&D community uh, too now is that it's growing and, and, and including so many groups that you might not have thought of, you know, 30 years ago as being like, that's the typical D&D person. Like, well, that, there's no typical D&D person in my mind anymore. It's, it's, it's everybody from every walk of life, as you're saying. And that's because it's become so much more accessible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's that, also, yo, sorry, go on. Oh, sorry. Um, I was just going to say that people that love D&D could see why other people would love it. And the reason so many people are able to now is because, like, for, like she mentioned earlier, the player's handbook is free online and you can play with people everywhere in the world. It's great. Yeah, yeah. And it's been a big part of what we're doing with, with, with streaming and, and, and making sure that folks can see uh, uh, people like themselves playing D&D also pretending to be yeah. people like themselves, you know, and that's, that's really important. And it even gives you a chance to play people who aren't yourselves and uh, you can experience a different walks of life there to like a small extent. It's like how someone might react to your character. It's like, oh, I never thought this would. Oh, is that how people in real life? respond? Oh, and it leads to like it lets you freely explore the world. Uh, And I think that can positively uh, influence like IRL. Yeah, for sure. And like when we had, and it can allow you to, to, to learn about yourself as well. Like when we had, um, uh, 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 the author, Kepling, Kuplinger here, uh, she was like, I, I, she discovered, you know, uh, uh many things about, uh, uh, who she was and her sexuality yeah, was by being able to, uh, uh, explore that within a safe space of, of role playing games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's also, I think, really important for people for who either want to work in the industry or just want to, be playing in this community to know who the people are behind the products that they know and they love. And that's why I think it's, it's so cool to, to be able to talk to you guys on Dragon Talk or to, you know, like, to when you're out and about at Gen Con that like, they actually get to meet like, oh, like you're one of the principal sculptors uh, behind all of these amazing products. You're leading social media and all this awesome video content. Like for girls that are growing up, now they get to see like this industry isn't just men 
Like oh, there are so- actually like there are women who are doing really important roles and that's it's so important to to get that out into the forefront and let people know who these women are that are actually making these products. Mm-hmm. I guess I mean you've said you've been playing for ten years, Nina, right? Around over a, a decade. Over a decade. Hard to really remember when I started. But has it have you noticed a shift at all? Like hope hopefully. Like have you seen oh, like a change in like in the community makeup or how people have treated you as a gamer or in I the was, industry? Sorry. Oh, when I was a kid, I, I kinda had this idea in my head that these things that I was super, super into were not for me. Um because I didn't see people like me playing. I didn't see people like me represented in the artwork. And that's absolutely shifted. Like I was talking to Selena recently about how I felt when I saw the, um, the illustration for the race human in the fifth edition player's handbook. Like I, I cried. Oh, it like really was an amazing moment for me. And then even more recently, the, the, is it mage that's on the cover of the Ravnica source book? Like it's just, uh, thank you. Um, I didn't feel welcome always when I was younger. And honestly, I probably wasn't. And occasionally I'm still not. But, you know, I think that's shifting. And I yeah. think people are starting to realize that people of all from all different walks of life can love this amazing thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that was, uh, I was saying it was a big... Uh, uh, Discussion when uh, the fifth edition books were being kind of art directed and, and thought of, and it's something that we hold up as a tenant, you know, to this day is to 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 make sure more uh, g- groups and people can see what it's like to pretend to be these amazing heroes and heroines and uh, uh, destroy good. <laughs> and or evil uh, the way you want to, uh, you know. There's there's no there's no qualif- qualifier on that, right? Like if you want if you like to pretend and tell stories, that's all that matters. It's for everybody. Storytelling is human. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I've used that in interviews before, where it's like you know, in some ways, it's what makes us human, right? Absolutely. Where like if you're sitting around uh, a campfire when you're uh, you know ten thousand years ago telling stories, you're basically playing D anD D. D&D Absolutely. is not 45 years old. It's 145,000 centuries million. old. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that is true. Selena, have you noticed, like, what's, what's been your take or experience working as, as a, a woman in this industry? Uh, ignore the ice cream truck outside our window. I'm hungry. Never. I can't. It's very enticing. Why aren't we running out there is it Mr. Right now? We never make it in time. It goes oh, too fast. That's so sad. <laughs> I'm serious. Anyway, you try. You try? That's yeah. so sad. <laughs> anyway, uh, being a woman in the industry, uh, it's, well, I, I love being in the gaming industry. It's so weird and creative. And I'm so glad I work at a company that like doesn't put me in a cubicle and we don't have like, like the layers of bureaucracy and showing up to conventions and meeting other people like this. Everyone is more genuine in the gaming community. Uh, And I really like Wormwood is a company we're good friends with. I love everyone over there and we're, we were meeting more and more brands and 
uh, it's just fun. I love, I really like this community, but at the same time, like there is also the occasional person who even in a business setting, just because like I'm a woman who's also into what they're into might make some like inappropriate sexual advances. And it's just like, no, <laughs> this is still work. Like, and just because I'm a woman in gaming, like it's, it's cause it, it was, it's, it was a little bit, it's hmm, the right way to phrase this would be that it is perceived as uncommon for women to be into nerdy things. Uh, and so it's like when uh, I'm going to use men as an example, uh, when men find that I'm a, a nerdy woman, it's like something goes off and it's immediately fetishized and that's frustrating. And so that's a conversation I sometimes have to have. And it's like, this is still professional. And just because we like the same things doesn't mean that I want to pursue this. Um, it's, it, I still get uncomfortable is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, it's like a shame, but I've gotten used to it and at like changing the conversation as soon as anyone might imply that like they want to sleep with me. It's like, Oh, well maybe we should all go together in a group, a group <laughs> setting. Oh, I love group activities. And then I leave before it's over. So I don't have to deal with that again. Yeah. <laughs> that was really long. I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. That's important. It's, it's hard. I mean, it's hard for me to insert myself into that conversation. So it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm a listener. I'm listening. That's important. Yes. It's what do you think, Shelly? Well, it's hard, it's hard for me to, to t- comment on that on a podcast that is at the company that I work for. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to talk about that. But, yeah, no, I mean, I've worked at Wizards for two decades now. Two. Two. Two of them. Congratulations. Thanks. Thank you. And I've, I've seen a lot. But I also re- I remember my first Gen Con, and it was – I had only worked at Wizards for two months, and they were like, goodbye, you're going to Gen Con – and it's like back in the day when they used to send like the entire company, like so many of us went to Gen Con, but it was, it was a really weird sort of unsettling experience to be there because they're the, the, the only women that were there were like pretty much people who, other women who worked at Wizards. And this is back when like we would go and we would demo the games ourselves. We had a, you know, a big booth. And I barely knew how to play magic. And they were like, teach people how to play magic. And I'm really sorry because 20 years ago, there was a lot of people in Milwaukee that did not learn how to play magic correctly. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was me teaching. I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing here, but I think you're like tapping that and like attacking and stuff. Okay. Um, but it was like all dude. Like it was like. Go to Milwaukee and clean up on the magic circuit. <laughs> yes. That there was like, but it was like all like men basically. And Selena, like a lot of what you were saying is like, we were not booth babes. We were like, just like women in like sluppy polo shirts with, with a wizard's logo on them. Like we're obviously not like standing, like tr- drawing attention to ourselves. We were just employees of the company. And yet there were so many comments about like, you know, like, oh, like they, the way like they would talk to us or make comments about us or like call us both babes and like ew ew I'm trying to teach you how to play this trading card game and like granted I'm doing a really bad job at that but you don't get to to comment about you you just can't make these these innuendos and these other like just really inappropriate uncomfortable comments yeah yeah 
unfortunate because I feel like I can't even joke around or show like uh, even like a friendly side because as soon as like I'm nice to some of these people definitely not all of them this is my personal experience I don't speak on behalf of everyone no my personal experience with some people in the industry as soon as like I'm nice to them it's like oh she's flirting with me and it's like no I'm just sometimes I'll just be professional I'll be asking them about their work or something and it's like well do you want to get a drink and it was like no I just wanted to talk (laughs) about magic for like five minutes. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I mean, just to bring around back again to what's happening now is, is really interesting to me is my daughter's been going to uh, a camp with, uh, with you know, uh, Shelly's kids. And kid. Kid, sorry. Kid. You, boy, you don't have to? <laughs> I thought you had four. Don't um, ever say that. But one of the fascinating things is I, I, I've, I've been working on D&D. They know I played D&D with my kids and I haven't taught the magic yet, and some of the 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 boys at the camp were playing magic, and uh, my daughter's like, "Oh, I want to play with you," and they're like, "Okay, yeah, we'll teach you." And then she came home last week and taught me a new way to play magic that the kids at school had taught her, and it was I was like, "Oh, that's really." I mean, I've been doing this for decades too, and and been around magic for so long, and here this is uh, uh, my my daughter teaching me something new that she learned from someone from her peers, and I like that. That because it's, uh, uh, I don't know, I feel like a lot, I mean, obviously nothing, it's never going to go away, the things you guys are talking about, but I'm hoping that by um, uh, uh, the, the, the changes that is, are going through society now, that more and more stories will feel like you, the gamers are gamers, not, and, and not in a, uh, you know, let, let's get together type of way. It's a, <laughs> it's a small yeah, section. Well. Um, like, I know my first convention, there were not like Shelley said, there were like no women there. Um, and there were a lot of actual booth babes, which is something oh, yeah. else. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. But at conventions these days, like some of them I have gone to, I feel like it's a near even split. Yeah. And yeah. I think this visibility and interacting face to face and seeing that people are just people is really going to shift this perspective. So there were, I, Circle back on the Gen Con thing. I, I that was like Gen Con I, 1999. Like that was a long time ago. So I've been to many, many Gen Cons in between. Many of our listeners weren't even alive. No, they weren't. <laughs> seriously, <laughs> many of our coworkers weren't. Even <laughs> like, I was just talking to someone earlier. Like we had a company meeting yesterday. I looked around the room and I'm like, these are children. You're like they're babies. <laughs> um, but that's because again, I'm a lich. I am. But um, they, at, so all these other Gen Cons, are like maybe 10 years later, there were more women and families coming. And I clearly remember they had activities for the ladies that were like, spa day, like basically while your man is throwing down some dice in, this, in the convention center, you can come sit out here and you can get a pedicure or like a neck massage or something. And like, but what if, what if they want to, play but it wasn't it was more like oh my this, this is the response there there appear to be women coming to like conventions now so like let's find activities for them to do and and sure that in a lot of cases they were actually like th- those events were always full by the way like there were people that were like heck yeah i'm gonna get a neck massage it's actually a very good idea but it, it was just it was like well that's the response to all these women coming and then like a few years later it, there were lots of children, lots of women, lots of men, lots of families, and it just was like 
this is a, it just it showed that like there women were feeling more comfortable about coming to a convention and actually sitting down at a table and actually playing a game alongside whomever is there and it just felt more welcoming and more like the demographic is shifting and this is a good thing overall and by the time i went to my last gen con i mean it wasn't there was no issue i was still wearing the schluppy polo shirt but i no longer had to demo the games but still like you know it just it felt like like more at home so it's i mean and that's been Gen Con for many, many, many years, and that's been conventions, I think, some of these bigger shows for many, many years. But it does show, like, there, there, there definitely was... There's a progression. There's a progression, and I think that, that that is true for this whole industry. I hope. I hope we keep going in I the right so. direction. Also, business idea. D&D <laughs> game while you're getting a neck massage. Yes! Or a pedicure, or a pe- why not? D and D a cure might might be no. difficult uh, with the. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We have to come up with a catchy name. I don't. We don't. We don't got it yet. Remember when they used to have the the pedicures with the little fishies that would eat like they supposedly. Oh ate, yeah. Yeah. Like and maybe we we could put like kraken in the water. Or something. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna, let me keep thinking about yeah, this. Yeah, let's ball on that. I don't know why people don't want to get my D&D pedicures. <laughs> it's like mind flare tadpoles in there. Just to, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hate it. I hate it so Oh, much. my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you uh, for, for calling in. Uh, we're really excited about uh, everything that you guys are creating, uh, kickstarting. You know, uh, I'm, I, I can tell that you guys are now excited to go to, to any convention. <laughs> I know. I feel like that was like... Ended on like they're great. It's a great show. Like everything, right. everything's fine. <laughs> Only going to improve. Yeah, and we're looking forward to Gen Con. We hope people stop by booth thirteen oh one and say hello. Yes, and roll some dice, slay some monsters. Yeah, we're running games, so awesome. Yeah, yes. we're running them uh, like two to three times a day, depending on what we have going on, and. There are tickets. I think there's one slot left, and there's the inevitable no-show. So if you, like, hang out around the booth at the times in the events, you can probably get in on one. Very cool. And uh, where can people find out about you guys personally? Where, where, where are you located on the social media? So I'm on Instagram at Nina, but it's N-I-H-N-A-H. And on Twitter at Nina Art, that's N I H N A H A R T. And on all social media platforms, I am at literally Selena. That is the word literally with Selena. Some people get confused. I'm like, yeah, you got Selena as, as a. As- Everyone says that. <laughs> yeah, at literally Selena. That's me. Sweet. Uh, and of course, Dwarven Forge has has got lots going on. Yes, Dwarven Forge on everything except Instagram, where it's Dwarven Forge official. But if the person that owns the Dwarven Dwarven Forge account wants to give it to us, we're into that. How much? <laughs> <laughs> it's you, Tito. Do they get terrain for life? <laughs> we can talk about it. Call, call, call us. <laughs> Well, uh, the both of you are amazing and creative, and I think you're doing a lot for, yes. uh, um, you know, changing the industry and making it what we want it to be going forward. So uh, we applaud you guys for that. Yes. Thank you. As yeah. does the community, clearly. Yeah, they right? love you. Based on the response, right? Yeah. So keep uh, doing what you're doing. Your are great. 
the awesome. best fans. Yeah. Best fans. Uh, all right, guys. Thank you so much. Good luck uh, in Indianapolis, and uh, we'll connect more uh, in the future when you got more stuff going on because I, I feel like there's so much more to talk about. There really is, but we'll talk later. <laughs> Leave it on a cliffhanger. Okay. I know, right? Dot, dot, dot. more. What's going to happen next? Meanwhile, I'm going to go back and look at every piece of Dwarven Forge terrain we have around this building and find secret things. Secret things. Yes. The little touches. No, what was it called? Thoughtful Thoughtful touches. Thoughtful touches. touches. Uh, we got to start doing that on this podcast. We'll create (laughs) audio thoughtful. thoughtful Yeah, be more thoughtful. (laughs) You like spell one word wrong in each sentence and they'll figure it out. Yeah. It's not a typo. They I will like, find it. Yes. Not a typo. It's a puzzle. <laughs> it's a puzzle to be solved. It's a thoughtful That's touch. on my Twitter, yeah. It's, totally <laughs> <laughs> it's literally Selena. All right. Thank you, guys. You guys are the best. Yeah, we'll get some ice cream now. What? Ice cream. What amazing people. Okay, they really are. I am inspired by all the work they do, yep. and uh, I want them to be on the highest pedestal. I, we need to elevate. Lift, lift you up, up into the they're, Manhattan, not Brooklyn. They're officially, <laughs> they are <laughs> officially on, on the, the Dragon Talk elevation list. On the elevation tour? Yes. Are we going to have an elevation tour like you two? I actually thought of that. Yeah. We should tour. You have thought about doing Dragon Talk on tour yes. for a while. Yes. Yeah. We tried. We did it with the Gary Con, and I was like, I think that worked really well. Yeah. So next year, 2020, we'll be in your hometown. Dragon Talk on tour. We're coming to Nashville. We're coming to Minneapolis. We're going to Portland, Maine. Yes. Not Oregon. Maine. (laughs) Portland, Maine. Maine. Let's go to Boulder, Colorado. Oh, I want to go to Boulder, Colorado. Me too. Yeah. There's so many things there, like rocks. Boulders. Uh, there's some some stones Rocks that sometimes. There's things that you can do to to, to get stone when think people throw stones at you. Oh, like that kind of that thing. kind of yeah, stuff. Oh, I'm picking up um, Shelly, where can people complain about us and our hosting abilities? Probably to our <laughs> HR department, <laughs> Wizards of the Coast HR. <laughs> we'll just send you right in. We'll walk you right in. Yes, we'll show you right where it is. Uh, or you can you can complain about me to me. On Twitter at Shelly Moo. Or you can give us some high fives and I be like, we like your you. Tweet. Blocked. Uh, no, we. No, uh, I would never do that. At Shelly Freedom Moo? of speech at Shelly Moo <laughs> on Twitter. I am at Greg Tito on the Twitters, uh, Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. But if you want to find out everything about what's happening in Dungeons and Dragons world, and I do, you can go to DungeonsandDragons.com. Yeah. Yeah. Tons of product information up there. Uh, all of our podcast pages are up there with show notes, things like that. You can find them. We are also very interested to let you know about Dragon Plus. Yes, we are. It, it is an app that you can download for your Android device or iOS. It sounds delightful. Uh, you can also oh, find it on another really? place, well, dragonmag.com. Oh, dear. All of it. <laughs> I like that we, we went like highfalutin and then we went right back into C3PO. Yeah, that's all I got. That's all. <laughs> that's, I like pigeons. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I like pigeons. Pigeons are going to be great. I once had a pigeon. What did you do with it? I don't know. It flew away. (laughs) I didn't feed it enough. Hey, Ryan, pay attention to us. (laughs) What's that pigeon up there? Is it going to fall on me? Oh, no, he looks like he's about to. We're going to get stoned.